0: Le'olam va'ed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Lauren Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, May 5th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of Himself, I am the Aleph and the Tav, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse. Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalet Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Emor, and it means, Say. Leviticus 24, 1-11 The Lord said to Moses, Command the people of Israel to bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continually. This is the lampstand that stands in the tabernacle, in front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. Aaron must keep the lamps burning in the Lord's presence all night. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. Aaron and the priest must tend the lamps on the pure gold lampstand continually in the Lord's presence. You must bake twelve loaves of bread from choice flour using four quarts of flour for each loaf. Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two rows with six loaves in each row. Put some frankincense near each row to serve as a representative offering a special gift presented to the lord every sabbath day this bread must be laid out before the lord the bread is to be received from the people of israel as a requirement of the eternal covenant the loaves of the bread will belong to aaron and his descendants who must eat them in a sacred place for they are most holy it is the permanent right of the priests, to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. One day a man who had an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father came out of his tent and got into a fight with one of the Israelite men. During the fight, this son of an Israelite woman blasphemed the name of the Lord with a curse. So the man was brought to Moses for judgment. His mother was Shelomith the daughter of Debri of the tribe of Dan Judges twenty one one to Ruth one twenty two. The Israelites had vowed at Mizpah, we will never give our daughters in marriage to a man from the tribe of Benjamin. Now the people went to Bethel and sat in the presence of God until evening, weeping loudly and bitterly. O Lord, God of Israel, they cried out. Why has this happened in Israel? Now one of our tribes is missing from Israel. Early the next morning, the people built an altar and presented their burnt offerings and peace offerings on it. Then they said, Who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah? when we held our assembly in the presence of the Lord. At that time, they had taken a solemn oath in the Lord's presence, vowing that anyone who refused to come would be put to death. The Israelites felt sorry for their brother Benjamin and said, Today, one of the tribes of Israel has been cut off. How can we find wives for the few who remain, since we have sworn by the Lord not to give them our daughters in marriage? So they asked who among the tribes of Israel did not join us at Mizpah when we assembled in the presence of the Lord. And they discovered that no one from Jabesh-Gilead had attended the assembly. For after they counted all the people, no one from Jabesh-Gilead was present. So the assembly sent 12,000 of their best warriors to Jabesh-Gilead with orders to kill everyone there, including women and children. This is what you are to do, they said, completely destroy all the males and every woman who is not a virgin. Among the residents of Jabesh-Gilead they found four hundred young virgins who had never slept with a man, and they brought them to the camp at Shiloh in the land of Canaan. The Israelite assembly sent a peace delegation to the remaining people of Benjamin, who were living at the Rock of Rimmon. Then the men of Benjamin returned to their homes, and the four hundred women of Jabesh-Gilead, who had been spared, were given to them as wives. But there were not enough women for all of them. The people felt sorry for Benjamin because the Lord had made this gap among the tribes of Israel. So the elders of the assembly asked, How can we find wives for the few who remain, since the women of the tribe of Benjamin are dead? There must be heirs for the survivors so that an entire tribe of Israel is not wiped out. But we cannot give them our own daughters in marriage because we have sworn with a solemn oath that anyone who does this will fall under God's curse. Then they thought of the annual festival of the Lord held in Shiloh, south of Labona and north of Bethel, along the east side of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. They told the men of Benjamin, who still needed wives, Go and hide in the vineyards. When you see the young women of Shiloh come out for their dances, rush out from the vineyards, and each of you can take one of them home to the land of Benjamin to be your wife. And when their fathers and brothers come to us in protest, we will tell them, Please be sympathetic. Let them have your daughters, for we didn't find wives for all of them when we destroyed Jabesh Gilead. And you are not guilty of breaking the vow since you did not actually Give your daughters to them in marriage. So the men of Benjamin did as they were told. Each man caught one of the women as she danced in the celebration and carried her off to be his wife. They returned to their own land and they rebuilt their towns and lived in them. Then the people of Israel departed by tribes and families and they returned to their own homes. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elamelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and chilion They were Pathrites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed His people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughter-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' home, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord Himself has raised His fist Against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother in law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us." When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? the women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer, and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring, at the beginning of the barley harvest. John four, four to forty-two. He, Yeshua, had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Yeshua, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Yeshua said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Yeshua, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Yeshua replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you, and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. But sir... You don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Yeshua replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Yeshua told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Yeshua said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Yeshua replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, to those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Yeshua told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, What do you want with her? Or, Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Yeshua, Rabbi, eat something. But Yeshua replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Yeshua explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, Four months between planting and harvest. But I say, Wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people, brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Yeshua because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see Him, they begged Him to stay in their village. So He stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear His message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard Him ourselves. Now we know that He is indeed the Savior of the world. Psalm 105, 1 15. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Exult in his holy name. Rejoice, you who worship the Lord. Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Remember the wonders he has performed his miracles, and the rulings he has given. You children of his servant Abraham, you descendants of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His justice is seen throughout the land. He always stands by his covenant, the commitment he made to a thousand generations. This is the covenant he made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. He said this when they were few in number, a tiny group of strangers in Canaan. They wandered from nation to nation with one kingdom to another. Yet he did not let anyone oppress them. He warned kings on their behalf, Do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. Proverbs 14.25 A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is a traitor. I want to speak to you today from our Torah portion from Leviticus 24, and then we're going to jump into the book of Ruth. And in Leviticus 24, there are several, I call them, Yeshua sightings. In the volume of the book, it was written of me. Yeshua said that to the two disciples that he walked with on the road to Emmaus. And at first they did not recognize who he was. And then he opened up the scriptures to them. And at that time, there was no New Testament. It had not yet been written. And so he opened up the scriptures to them concerning himself. That meant he opened up the Tanakh. He opened up the Old Testament and showed them, you know, this, this was about me. And this other scripture, this was about me. So we have several Yeshua sightings in today's reading from Leviticus chapter 24. And in Leviticus 24, we have some principles that have been laid out for us concerning the tabernacle concerning the tent of meeting. And first of all, the Lord tells Moses to command the people to bring pure oil of pressed olives for the light to keep the lamps burning continuously. Okay, so many of you have probably seen a menorah, and there is a huge gold-plated menorah behind a plexiglass cylindrical barrier in Jerusalem, in the old city And this menorah was once inside the temple. So Yeshua is the light of the world. He is the light. So the menorah, this light that is to be kept burning continuously, points us to Yeshua, who is the light of the world. And he goes on to say in Leviticus 24, verse 3, This is the lampstand that stands in the tabernacle. Now, this is the wilderness tabernacle. This is before the temple was built. In front of the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant. And Aaron must keep the lamps burning in Yahweh's presence all night. And this is a permanent law for you. So, here's an application for us. If you are truly born again and you have asked Yeshua to come inside of you, to come into your heart, and His Holy Spirit dwells within you. Your heart is as a temple, and in your heart is the menorah, the light. We must not allow the light of Yeshua to be extinguished. And as the days grow darker around us, we must let our light shine, the light of Yeshua, His love, His kindness, his compassion, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, all the attributes of Yeshua. Do not let your light be extinguished. Okay, the next thing I want to look at here, that's another Yeshua citing Leviticus chapter 24, verse 5. You must bake 12 loaves of bread from choice flour using four quarts of flour for each loaf. Place the bread before the Lord on the pure gold table and arrange the loaves in two rows with six loaves in each row. So, I was recently in Jerusalem and I visited one of my most favorite places, which is the Temple Institute. I've been through there many times and they are gathering all of the items that will be needed for a third temple. And so, the out door altar where the daily tamid lamb offering will be offered twice a day. The altar is there and then you come into a room. And in that room, they have the menorah. They have the altar of incense where the incense is kept burning continuously. And they also have a frame where the 12 loaves of bread were placed into the slots and there's 12 slots and it's made of two rows just like it's described here six on one row and six on the other and they were large loaves of bread one for each of the 12 tribes or you could say one for each of the 12 apostles but it includes the whole house of israel all 12 tribes which is the house of jacob the house of jacob is yeshua's family and that includes all 12 tribes so the bread was to be put in there once a week, fresh baked bread. And Yeshua is the bread of life, and he who eats of him will never hunger. The manna that was given in the wilderness points us to the bread of life, who is Yeshua. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We take in his word like it's manna like it's fresh bread from heaven. And so this bread, the table of showbread, again, it points us to Yeshua. And it goes on to say in Leviticus 24.9, the loaves of bread will belong to Aaron and his descendants who must eat them in a sacred place, for they are most holy. It is the permanent right of the priest to claim this portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Okay, so now I wanna jump into the Book of Ruth. And in the Book of Ruth, we have a main character, Naomi, who left Bethlehem with her husband and then settles in the town of Moab. They left because there was a famine. And so then, Naomi's husband dies, Elimelech dies. And then Naomi has two sons, and they married Moabite women, and then her two sons, Melon and Kilion, die, and now she's left a widow. So then she's getting ready to return to Bethlehem, and she's bitter in her spirit. She's going through some real trials, and she's all alone, or so she feels that way. She really isn't. She has the Lord. Anyway, the two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, follow her. And Naomi tells them, go back. You can remarry. Uh, You don't need to come with me. You don't need to go through what I'm going through. Just just go back to your people. And Orpah, it wasn't too hard to convince her to return. But Ruth makes a pledge. Ruth makes an oath. And it's almost like it's a marriage oath, a covenant marriage oath. And she says to her, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely, if I allow anything but death to separate us. Like a marriage covenant, till death do us part. And so, I recently heard a very anointed teaching from Sharon Sanders, And I'm going to put a link to that teaching in the description box. So you can go and listen to it yourself. But she made a wonderful connection. And she said, you could consider Naomi to be Israel, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people who have returned to the nation of Israel. And then you could look at Ruth and Orpah as the mainstream Christian church. And there is the Ruth part of the church that stands with Israel and supports Israel and prays for Israel and buys Israeli products and goes and visits the land and becomes friends with the Orthodox Jewish people and who stand with Israel when she goes through her troubles. And then there's the Orpah part of the church who turns her back on Israel. And Israel isn't even on their radar scope. And in fact, some would even become anti-Semitic and anti-Zionist and, you know, have all kinds of concern for the Palestinians and let's just wipe Israel off the map and they don't even belong there. And so the question being is, where do you stand personally? Are you part of the Ruth part of the church or are you in the Orpah? of the church? Where do you stand concerning Israel? And there's a lot of people in the church that are just quite, they're very much asleep. Israel, the nation, and the Jewish people are not even on their radar scope. Church sometimes can become very church-centric, that is, self-centric. And you join a church, you get involved, and, and everything that's going on is all about the life of just that little church. You know, let's go to the women's retreat and we're having a a prayer breakfast and and it's all about self. And there isn't an outward focus at all uh, for missions or even for Israel. There's no teaching, no uh, speakers who would come from Israel to share, uh, no ministry or outreach to Israel. And that's not healthy. A church that's Inward-focused, it's not a healthy church. So it's very important to have Israel on our radar scope and to have a heart for Israel and the Jewish people. After all, we would not have a Bible today if it were not for the Jewish people. Derek Prince would say we owe a great debt to the Jewish people. Without the Jewish people, we would have no Bible, no prophets. They were all Jewish. No New Testament, except for the book of Titus, because all the rest of the writers of the New Testament were Jewish, no Messiah. We owe a great debt to the Jewish people who faithfully copied the scriptures from one generation to the next and gave us the scriptures, the Bible. In fact, in our reading today from the New Testament, from the book of John. When Yeshua encounters the Samaritan woman at the well one of the things he says is that salvation is of the Jews comes through the Jews how so Yeshua himself was Jewish of the tribe of Judah and literally his name Yeshua means salvation he is the king of the Jews he is the king of Israel, and he is the king of the nations, and he loves his family. Now, you and I, if we are born again, we are part of his family, but part of his family is also the Jewish people. He loves them. And there's a day coming when they will look upon him whom they pierced, and they will mourn from home to home to home because they will recognize and realize as the veil is lifted that Yeshua was and is indeed the Messiah. So I encourage you to give this teaching from Sharon Sanders a listen. It's called The Call of Ruth. There's a part one and a part two, and each is about 20 minutes long. I just encourage you to give it a listen. And really, it will unpack the book of Ruth for you in a much Deeper way, I've given you just a little uh, a taste of what that teaching is about. Have a blessed day and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom <speaking in Hebrew>
1: ye yeah, he yeah. aduna ha vilaka vikunneka ye yeah.
0: The ironic blessing from Numbers chapter six, twenty-four to twenty-six. Adonai bless you and keep you.